this is your Field is Our Office. I'm a field agronomist, Ashley Storby in southern Minnesota, and with me is my neighbor to the north, field agronomist, Jay Zilski. How are you doing this afternoon, Jay? Ashley, I'm doing fantastic. We got a little bit of rain over a lot of the area over the uh, weekend in varying amounts. I think it maybe ranged anywhere from um, a, a couple of inches uh, in some isolated areas to maybe just under an inch. Unfortunately, the end of the week last week, we had some storms go through on Friday, and we've been getting a number of different hailstorms where it just keeps on mm. nicking away at the crop this year. So, um, gosh, and we're, we wanted rain so bad in so much of the area, and but it didn't have to come with some of that hail. Mm, oh, bummer, Jay. I'm sorry to hear that. That's that's disappointing, especially as we get down the chute here. I did hear of a really small band of hail that came through our area, um, far western, freeborn, eastern Blue Earth area for me, but a really tight band. So that was nice. It wasn't super widespread. Um, but we're doing something a little different today, aren't we, Dave? We're, Jay, we're doing a quick shot. Absolutely, Ashley. So listeners, we decided we we're going to try something new. We had some feedback from some folks that were saying, you know, we like the podcast, but you know, does it have to like be like 45 minutes to an hour? <laughs> uh, we just like something quick to give us a quick update. And so, you know, I was visiting with a farmer last week. Uh, we'll just say his name is Jason. And he said, you know, I just don't have that much time. Could you do something short? So we're going to try something new. Ashley and I, um, I don't know what we're going to call it. If we call it agronomy in 10 or agronomy shorts, or do we call you know, Jay and Ashley's agronomy briefs, but people might get the wrong idea. So <laughs> what we're going to try to do is quickly in 10 minutes, and I'm going to set the timer here, rattle through a bunch of key agronomic topics. So with that, uh, I'm going to get started and, and really touch back on this break in the weather and the rain that we've had. Uh, for much of the area since the last days of May th through the first week of August, a lot of folks had less than two inches of rain, a lot of significant drought stress. Over the past week, you know, we've been blessed with uh, so, some nice rains across much of the area. I don't think there's anybody that's been uh, missed 100%. Uh, I actually had somebody say earlier today they actually have gotten between six and, and seven inches of rain in, over the last 10 days. Most folks, something less than that. But I think what it's really done uh, Ashley and listeners, I think for a lot of folks is it's kind of stabilized that that downhill slide that maybe we were uh, fearing in corn. Uh, you know, it's going to solidify things as far as less tip back in in the corn um, because we've got some of that moisture. It couldn't have come at a better time as far as uh, grain fill. That along with some of the cooler temperatures, we can't ask for much better going into grain fill. And then of course August always makes the soybean crop. And I think there's a lot of optimism now. Farmers are seeing, you know, a, a flush of new blossoms, some new growth on these soybeans. Can we get that cluster of pods on the upper portion of the plant? And with the pods that are already there, I think this is going to help, you know, plump up. We got a ways to go, but as far as getting some larger seed size. So, you know, we've got, you know, two really good things come to mind with that rain. Uh, the one thing, the bad thing that comes to mind with the rain is, is tar spot. And that we've had a break for much of the summer and in a lot of our geography where really hasn't amounted to much of anything because of those uh, dry conditions. Now we've had some rain, these dewy mornings, now cool temperatures. 
Ashley, you are the tar spot hound. Uh, what can you tell us as far as uh, tar spot development? And then uh, is there enough time yet, Ashley, for tar spot to mount to much anything? I haven't gotten this late of a start. Ooh, that is a great question. So I would comment that in my area, as I casually walk fields um, this morning, you know, we're recording here on August the 14th this morning, I was in farms in Blue Earth County, and I did not observe any tar spot in any of those fields. I do have my report from Freeborn County, Western Freeborn County on an irrigated location where tar spot has been found locally, um, kind of a unique environment with an area that has received some decent rains um, as compared to my Mauer County area as I go east of 35 and even the irrigated corn there isn't necessarily keeping up with its water consumption. Um, so I've got that report in Freeborn. But with the conditions that we've had, we haven't been very conducive for tar spot with the overall presence of a drier canopy and up until the last week and a half or so, uh, warmer temperatures. And that depends on, you know, how you, you bulk in that last week and a half because we did have some warmer days there as well. But we know tar spot likes those 60 to 70 degree temperatures, higher relative humidity. So we are sitting in that this week, the temperatures have really come down for us here. Um, I threw a sweatshirt on this morning when I was walking fields, little cool, little damp in the field. Um, but as you look at the rest of, of August for us, Jay, we do warm up next week. We're going to get some highs back up in the 90s. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for the tar spot development. That's not a temperature that tar spot prefers. So it may be such where we have just an ebb and flow of appropriate conditions. But as I look at the corn crop in my area, my replant sits um, some of that early R3 milk stage. I have original plant date, normal plant dates that are beginning to show dent stage. And when we think about what tar spot can do to our corn at that stage, um, it continuously becomes less impactful. Um, once we hit dough, um, we figure if we fully defoliate that canopy, we would have a 40% yield reduction, 41%. Um, we're not going to be able to ramp tar spot up quickly enough to have that type of impact. And also, as you look at fungicide data, most of the recommendations are once we hit R4, it, there's not much of an expectation on return of that fungicide application. And then once we hit dent, we figure about a 15% yield reduction in a full defoliation. So I don't think we're going to make it, Jay, where we're going to need supplemental fungicide application to control tar spot, even if we do see a little pop up here in the next you know, 30 days. I think that's great news, Ashley, especially as much concern as there was in going into the growing season. You talked about that growth stage. And then the other thing I think I remember when we were talking to Allie Wise earlier in the summer from initial infection, let's say with this recent rain here, now we got an initial infection. Um, it takes about, uh, I believe, 14 days before it manifests itself as far as seeing any of those lesions on the leaves. So then you add that on top of the growth stage you're talking about. The disease is going to run out of time, hopefully, even on some of that later planted corn. Uh, but Ashley, you know, as, as far as, you know, running out of time, you know, you, you made reference to that, uh, the replant corn you had in the area. Uh, yeah, it's always interesting to track GDUs. Can you maybe share uh, kind of an update as far as growing degree units uh, compared to normal, where we're at on that, those replants? And then also maybe touch a little bit on the fact that with as we get delayed into May, you know, fewer GDUs required for that crop to get to maturity. So oh, it's a pretty long list, Ashley, <laughs> uh, for us to get it in in another, <laughs> in uh, you know, five minutes here. <laughs> so I've got GDU updates here from Wasika, Mankato, and Albert Lee. 
And Mankato and Wasika were both well above normal. So I pulled a 427 plant date to represent that that April planting date that was successful. We did not need to replant. And looking at Wasika, we were 294 GDUs above normal. In Mankato, we're 254 GDUs above normal. So that being a 30-year average. So really like to see that typically above normal GDU accumulation lends itself to higher yield potential. Um, so that's really positive. Now I'm going to jump to the other extreme and look at the 528 plant date. So that 528 would represent a lot of our replant acres um, that would have occurred there the end of May. And in Wasika and Mankato, I have around 1,700, a little over 1,700 GDUs, which in Wasika, that's 178 over normal. In Mankato, that's 140 over normal. So that's very positive. But now I'm going to jump down to Albert Lee. And this one made me recalculate the, the query a few times because I thought, why is this so far off? And then I pulled a couple towns near Albert Lee and I found they were all reporting the same thing. And that is that our 427 plant date is 83 ahead. Um, so that's fantastic. But our 528 plant date, that replant corn date there at the end of uh, May, was six degrees below, six GDUs below the 30-year average. And I found that in several towns around. So we must have had a cooler cooler weather pattern there that triggered the calculations to be below average. I do, Jay, have some uh, replant corn that I've looked at here uh, last week and today that uh, some of that, I'd like to see it a little further along. I'm a, I'm appreciating that next week we're going to have some above average GDU accumulation. Looking at this um, information, it appears in the next two weeks we'll get uh, a little over 300 GDUs total, so about 23, 24 GDUs a day, Jay. So, and then along the lines of the reduced need for GDUs from the May 1st planting date, can you remind me of what that is? Is that five GDUs? So it's five growing degree days, growing degree units per day less required for the corn crop from be, once you get beyond May 1st. So you use your May 20, uh, 28th planting date as far as being a replant uh, date. So that would come down to 140 fewer growing degrees required for corn planted on the 28th of May versus May 1st. Just easy figuring um, there. So that that's the good news. And I think as you start talking about what those growing degree unit projections are, you know, if those projections hold true, we should be sitting in a pretty darn good spot um, as far as getting this crop to uh, to maturity before a typical first uh, first killing frost. Okay, that's super encouraging, and I'm pretty happy with how my replant looks in in the majority of the area. Um, I I just would, you know, you watch that and you hope it gets to the finish line. And some of those just that aren't as far along as what I'm seeing from other planting dates. But we've got time. We've got a warm week coming next week. Now, looking at the weather, Jay, how would you figure the weather that we have right now? is going to impact soybean aphids and spider mites? Well, that's an excellent question as we roll into the home stretch here, Ashley. And so a couple things. Uh, certainly, uh, soybean aphids prefer uh, some cooler temperatures, and so it should really be a, a, a positive as far as the soybean aphids. We've had a number of treatments go on in the areas. It's been maybe a little more uh, spotty as far as soybean aphid infestations, but they've generally been on the rise since the 1st of August. Uh, I have had a few reports 
of where people have used a single mode treatment. So some of the pyrethroid insecticides, which are the cheapest products out there, you know, when I hear about it, it's a generic product called the silencer. Um, and there's a whole list of others out there, some bifenthrin products that, you know, there's been known over the years to be some resistance out there in aphid populations. And I've had a couple of reports uh, from the countryside of situations where people have scouted their fields and have seen that they weren't getting a good kill on, on their aphids. So if you happen to use one of the pyrethroids, and a, a good rule of thumb is, you know, if the active ingredient in it ends with a thrin, okay, T-H-R-I-N, or I think it's I-N or Y-N, then that's, that's going to be a pyrethroid. And we have seen some situations where there's been aphids resistance to the pyrethroids. Uh, then uh, shifting gears here quick, and the alarm did go off that we hit that 10-minute mark, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll keep uh, wrapping up this final point here. That being that uh, with, with spider mites, cool, damp weather is going to temper um, you know, their activity, potentially lead to some of uh, favoring some of the fungi uh, that might uh, keep those populations in check. Uh, still encourage people to scout their fields, however, because um, that's not necessarily guarantee. And one of the things that we've seen over the years, and our colleagues in Illinois saw it a year ago on corn, is that you know, with these fungicide applications, we can actually then not only protect the beans as far as <laughs> some plant pathogens, but also we also knock down some pred uh, some uh, predatory fungi that keep mite populations in check, Ashley. So, um, Ashley, I think it's probably time to, do you want to wrap up the show, Ashley? I don't want to uh, run on too long here because we oh. guaranteed folks that we were going to keep this short to 10 minutes or less. We already well, I that. would, I would love to wrap us up, Jay. I've enjoyed this. Please give us feedback. If you like this style of a recording listeners, you can follow the podcast now on Twitter. The show handle there is at YFO agronomy or me personally. My handle is at Ashley Storby and Jay, you can be found where? at Seed Zeke. Perfect. And you can join Jamie in our next episode as we share more updates from the field. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 45 of Your Field is Our Office. Be safe and stay healthy.